I want to share with you an incredible story that I heard. Uh, Pastor Matthew Barnett, some of you will know that name. He's the son of Tommy Barnett. Uh, some of you may know that name. Um, he's the, uh, the co-founder of the LA Dream Center and the pastor of Angelus Temple, which is Foursquare's founding church planted by Amy Semple McPherson. And so I, I heard him share this at uh, Foursquare's International Connection event in Washington, D.C. in May of 2017. And I was just recently listening to it again uh, with my friend Bill Boylan, who was up here, he was sharing this morning. Um, and, I, and I thought to myself, I've been so inspired and challenged by this message. Maybe I can share it with my you know, friends and family at Destiny. So I, I, I shared the taping of it in our staff meeting just a couple weeks ago. And I'm gonna share it from my own perspective today. Now I know uh, Pastor Matthew, he, he's the one that lived this out and Holy Spirit breathed this out for that group of pastors on that day. And when he preached, it, but I, I really felt a stirring, and, and I don't know why, but it, I've just been sharing it recently, and I believe it's going to provide some breakthrough for this group right here and right now this morning. And so at the conference, uh, Matthew was just a few months out from competing in this world marathon challenge where he ran seven marathons on seven continents in seven consecutive days. And so he shared the seven lessons that he learned from these seven marathons. And I wanna reshare um, those lessons that he learned along with you, along with his story today. And so, because you can learn a lot, as you can imagine, when you're doing something crazy like that. But you know, when you are commissioned by God, and how many of you know you're commissioned by God? That's you. Uh, you're gonna take some risk along the way. And, and when God calls you to do something, there'll be times that you're gonna step out and people are gonna call you. They might call you careless, reckless, crazy even. And, and when Matthew first started having services at Angelus Temple, after it had merged with the Dream Center, they used to bus people uh, into the church from Skid Row. Have you, anybody been to Skid Row here in LA before? Um, it's, it's, it's one of the uh, places in America where uh, the homelessness is just rampant and um, drug use is rampant. And it's, it's one of the, uh, considered one of the scariest places in a, in a metro city. And they, they bring these guys into service. And the majority of people in the church at the time were coming from the buses. And he tells a story one night, he looked up into the balcony and he saw a man dressed like he was Jesus. The guy was walking around and blessing all the little children, and um, he really thought he was Jesus. And so Pastor Matthew was so intrigued by this man, um, he walked up to him and said, sir, who are you? And, you know, with a straight face, he looked him in the eye and he said, I am Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And Matthew was like, whoa, whoa, you're Jesus? And, and he said, yes, I am. So Matthew had to ask him then, well, did, did you ever see that movie, The Passion of the Christ? You ever, you ever see that? And with a straight face... He looked at Pastor Matthew and he said, no, I couldn't. It brought too many, back, back, back too many bad memories. <laughs> and, and so, you know, anyhow, when you're commissioned by God, you're going to reach some pretty strange and interesting people. Our theme for the convention in 2017 was commissioned by God. And when God calls us to go into all the world, there's nothing in there about playing it safe. 
And it's, it's about living life on the edge and sometimes even more often than not. And I kind of love what Matthew said. He's, he said, I believe that you're not living on the edge. If you're not doing that, you're taking up too much space. And he says, you know, you're, you've got an outreach church. He's talking about the Angelus Church now when your ushers wear ankle bracelet monitors. You know, you've, you've got an outreach church where the preacher says, can I get a witness? And the congregation ducks because they're afraid the police are going to find them. And, and that's, kind of, that's the kind of church that Angelus Temple is. Uh, Dream Center, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's like a Hope Center here in Rapid City, times like 1,000 uh, as far as space and kind of scope. And so the Dream Center organization offers a food bank, clothing, assistance programs, uh, programs for victims of domestic violence, drug addiction, trafficking, um, educational programs, and even housing to transition their clients into more healthy and self-sustaining lifestyles. And so today I wanna speak to you about when you are commissioned by God and he calls you to do uh, sometimes things that don't make sense. And I love the scripture um, found in 2 Timothy chapter four, verse six. If you're able, could you please stand with me to honor the reading of God's word to us this morning? This is what it says. It says, and now the time is fast approaching for my release from this life and I am ready to be offered as a sacrifice. I have fought an excellent fight and I have finished my full course with all my might and I've kept my heart full of faith. There's a crown of righteousness waiting in heaven for me and I know that my Lord will reward me on his day of righteous judgment. And this crown is not only waiting for me, but for all who love and long for his unveiling. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word to us this morning. I pray, um, Holy Spirit, that you would um, speak to us this morning, that you would um, use my mouth to, to speak your words. Lord, to share this story that has inspired so many. And um, Lord, we, we pray that it would give glory to you. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated, thank you. So you saw the story in the opening video. In 2013, Pastor Matthew went to the doctor after playing a church softball tournament. And he couldn't figure out why he couldn't breathe after going to the first base. He knew that he was out of shape, but it was beyond that. He just, he couldn't breathe. And so he told his team, I'm not feeling very good, um, but they were winning. So he kept on playing uh, because you never leave during a winning streak, right, Deanna? Yes. <laughs> so they asked him to stay for one more game, which turned into six more games. And somehow he was able to play through. And when it was over, he went straight to the doctor's office and said, I can't breathe, what is going on? And the doc checked him and did several x-rays and he said, you have a pulmonary embolism that is blocking both of your lungs. You have blood clots on both of your lungs and you should be dead. The, the doctor was, he said, was mad at him. Have you ever had the doctor go to the doctor and they're mad at you for being alive? That's what was happening in this situation. But then pastor, the, the, the doctor there kind of laughed and said, well, you're gonna be fine and you're probably gonna make it with medication and with treatment for the next year or so. Uh, but then he laughed and this is what he said, but you'll probably never run a marathon as long as you live. Now the pastor had never wanted to run a marathon. So like, you know, why would anybody ever want to run a marathon is what was running through his mind, right? So he's like, okay, who cares about that? But then when he was driving home, he started getting a little mad himself because he's the type of person, and some of you are this type of person, when somebody tells him that he can't do something, right? It just makes him want to do it. 
even if he really didn't want to do it, you know? And he said, you're, you're never going to run a marathon. You know what? I'm going to run a marathon. And so there was a time frame where he was bedridden and they were injecting his stomach uh, with shots. And the whole time they were doing that, he was saying, I can't believe you. You said I can't run a marathon to the doctor. And finally... When he was able to get up and walk, he put on, you know, the Rocky soundtrack and was quoting scripture, you know, fight the good fight, uh, uh, finish the course, keep the faith. He was quoting that. Paul was saying, my dream one day is, is for it to be said of me that I would, I've kept the faith, that when all is said and done, I've kept the faith. But sometimes in order to get to that place where you want to be, you've got to find a good fight first and finish the course. And so, and then you keep the faith. And there was a time where, where Pastor Matthew would get his headphones on and, and he would just start walking around the block because that's where he had to start. He was walking and then it was a quarter of a mile and then it was half a mile and eventually he ran his first marathon as a fundraiser for the Dream Center and he couldn't believe it. He was so excited um, that this day came. Most people, when they run marathons, they, they have the video, you know, at the end of the finish line, they're going through and they have those, those poses of triumph. Well, um, they're so happy to get to the finish line. When pastor got to the finish line, he was mad. He's like, why did I just run this stupid race? You know, he, he said, I was the only one that was angry at the finish line of the LA marathon, but I was done. And he said, no more marathons. I am done. And then the fundraising team came and Tim, and they said, what would you do it next year? Because, you know, it works so much better when the pastor gets involved and more people, you know, sponsor, you know? And so he was kind of pulled into more. And, and he said, okay. And he ran his second marathon. He ran his third marathon and he was running the fourth one around the Rose Bowl. And he gets a text from somebody on his staff. And all it said was 777. He was like, oh man, it's a prophetic word or something. You know, he, he, he wanted to open up and see what he was talking about. And, and, you know, is the Lord trying to tell me something through these numbers? He didn't know. And then he opened up the link and read about these crazy people who run the greatest race in the world. And, and it's called the World Marathon Challenge, seven marathons. The marathon is 26.2 miles on seven continents in seven consecutive days. Every continent, every marathon in seven days. He read that and he said, get behind me, Satan. Right? He, he didn't want any part. He didn't even bother looking at more information. That's not 777, that's 666. You know, I bind and rebuke it. And then this person sends Matthew another text saying, if you do this, there's somebody in your church that will give $100,000 towards the Dream Center. And suddenly he felt the Holy Ghost in his feet, you know? And, and then he said, yes. Because at the time, the Dream Center was in a really bad place financially. You'd think of, you know, a, a big ministry um, like this would just be set, right? But there were times where they struggled. Um, there's times that they were doing good. But at this time, he said, our backs... We're kind of up against the wall, the Dream Center. If, you, if you're not familiar with it, it, they have 100 residents that live on the premises. Um, they had just opened up a home uh, for, for homeless veterans, and they had also just took on a big project uh, for human trafficking on one of the floors of the Dream Center, and they had expanded the number of residents just recently in this year 30% in two years. 
And so he says now that their decision to do this and to kind of move forward with some of these projects was a little bit reckless and irresponsible on their part, but God has a way of bailing out the reckless and irresponsible. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that. And so it was a little bit too much growth, he says, for the short period of time that they were there, but they had the need to finish the building once and for all and get all 15 stories of what was an old hospital done. And he knew that they needed to do something radical. And he said, God, I I just don't know if I can do this, but he heard $100,000 and he said, I've got to give it a chance. I can't turn it down. I can, I can turn this into something special. And so he just felt Holy Spirit speaking to him saying, you know what? I'll be with you. And, and, and so he started running around the Rose Bowl every day and doing the best that he could, 90 to 100 miles a week of training, working hard uh, to get up his strength and agility for this thing. And you can imagine the training was anything but easy. But to keep the story going, we're going to jump ahead to the first marathon, which was in Antarctica. Yeah, that's one of the seven continents. And they started there. (laughs) And so the first advice they give you when you run a marathon in Antarctica is don't sweat or you might die. Because if you sweat, it's gonna get in your lungs and you could freeze to death on the inside. (laughs) And so rule number one is don't sweat because you could die. It's a good rule to know. So they get on the plane, which he describes as an old Russian kind of cargo type of plane. And they get on, and so they had these runners put on these big red coats in preparation. Um, So this is uh, Matthew in this next picture, sitting next to um, Ryan Hall, the man who ran uh, the Boston Marathon in in 204, two hours and four minutes. Um, He came out of retirement for this race and is the fastest American marathoner ever, who now dislikes Matthew Barnett because he got all of his sponsors. But they, they got on this cargo plane and they landed in Antarctica. And, the, and this, one of the guys says, this is unbelievable. It's like nine degrees. This is the warmest that it's ever been um, when I've been here in a long, long time. And, and Pastor Matthew, he gets off the plane. He turns around and thought, you know what? This is prophetic. This is the way that this week is gonna go. And so the Lord's trying to tell us that this is gonna be a breeze and we're gonna make us through. It's gonna be awesome like this. And so they went to the starting line and they were just kind of mocking the cold of Antarctica and they were taking pictures and jumping at the start uh, before the, uh, the event even started on the day before. And they were taking selfies and they were saying, this is not so bad. We hyped this thing way bigger than, you know, than we thought. And so one of the officials said, you know, well, in the marathon challenge, you have, you, you've got all these, you've got to run all of the continents within 168 hours. That was one of their rules. And he says, you have the time to do that. And so we can start now if you want. All of the California guys were like, yes, let's go right now. Antarctica, you're beautiful, but let's start the race. We got to do this while the weather is nice. Let's get going. But you're, you're, there was 33 people in this group. And, and, and then he said the, the Eastern Europeans in this group, uh, in this challenge altogether were like, no, 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 no. There's beauty in Antarctica. So we must stay here and experience the cold. And so Matthew is like, no, let's go. But so there is a, there is a 24 hours a day of sunlight, no darkness whatsoever. And so the light just permeates and we all love the light. You know, we're people of the light, but most of us like darkness when we sleep, right? And so their pastor, Matthew, is, um, he's sleeping and he's just as miserable as he can be, you can see. And, and, And so ESPN, 
um, did a story. They did a couple stories about Barnett and they called him the least experienced runner of everyone, of everyone that was involved in the World Marathon Challenge ever. <laughs> everyone else had run um, 80, 90, 100 marathons. There were couples that every week ran marathons for recreation. They traveled the world and they run marathons. And, and, and he had run four four in his entire life. So he's getting ready to run seven in one week, which is more than he's run in his entire life. And so Pastor Matthew, he's, he's reading the bios of these people, you know, 250 marathons, etc. And so he's getting ready to get started in Antarctica. And can I tell you, the next day wasn't the same day as it, when it was when they're jumping around and taking selfies. It wasn't, they, they, they had stayed over and the next day it was negative 35 degrees with 50 mile hour headwinds. And so people that, they started the race, people that ran six minute miles or all of a sudden they're running 10 minute miles. And as they progressed, the second half of the race was against the wind. And I mean, walkers at this point were going faster than the runners um, because the headwinds were so bad. And as they kept running, frostbite was coming up uh, on their feet and runners were getting, listen to this, runners were getting sunburned in their nostrils from the light that was reflecting off of the snow going up their noses. I didn't even know that was possible. And they're, they're running this race and finally they get to the end and Pastor Barnett um, learned his first lesson so uh, carefully in Antarctica. And that is as they put the medal around his neck, he found out that he ran his first race in four hours and 50 minutes. And he realized this, number one, that progress isn't always about moving fast, it's about gaining ground. All he had to do was gain ground. He thought about life. He thought about, you know, ministry. He thought about, you know, think about the times in our lives where we gain a little bit of ground, we're, we're moving forward, and you know, it's just, it's just not where we want to be, but we're inching forward, and sometimes progressing is just fighting the good fight, Right? And you can't say that you've kept the faith yet. You can't say that you've gotten to the end of the journey, but you're still in there and you're moving forward with your face against the wind. And can I tell you, for those of you in here that are running against some headwind today, uh, that is many times where great leaders are born. That's where it happens. And progress isn't always about moving fast. It's about moving. And Matthew was taking ground every step of the way. So they put that medal around his neck and they said, you have finished a marathon. And he's like, praise the Lord. Now let's get out of here, <laughs> right? And so they went to eat. And then they say, okay, it's time to load up. We're going to marathon number two. And they were going to Chile for marathon number two. And so they get on a plane and they fly to Chile. Now, none of them knew what it would be like to run a marathon 18 hours after the first one because nobody had ever done it. But they got to Chile and they started running. And surprisingly, for number two, pastor was feeling a little bit better. After three miles, his legs were loosening up and he was starting to kind of feel a little bit, you know, surprised that he was able to run so well. And so one of these races, it was his goal. He wanted to run his personal best for time. His personal best was 346. And just once he wanted to get there. And, and so he was feeling it the first half and he was ahead of his time. And he thought, you know what? I, th I think I have a chance to do it. But something in his mind held him back and said, no, you need to save something for a rainy day. You shouldn't be feeling this good. Hold back. 
And so he finished the marathon and they put the second medal from uh, South America around his neck and it wasn't his best time. He probably could have had his best time, but he didn't. And, and as they put the medal around his neck, he thought to himself, this was my moment. I could have had my best record. This was the moment I could have had my miracle. And, and he thought to himself, how many times in life do we get to the place where you know, prosperity is moving, God is blessing, what we're doing, things are happening, and now we're not running against the headwind. Now the wind is on our back, right? And, and in life, we've got to learn how to run against the wind, but we also have to learn to, number two, seize the moment when it's there. There are times in your life and your work and your ministry where God gives you supernatural blessing. And so don't forecast bad seasons just because something good is happening. Don't hold yourself back uh, and say, you know, well, I'm in this good season, so something bad's probably gonna happen. I need to store up. Right? There, there are moments that God gives you to accomplish amazing things. Those are moments that God gives you to take advantage of and grow and expand and multiply. And there are times in your life where we cannot and should not forecast fear upon our future. We've got to seize the moment that God has for us right now. And so Matthew, Pastor Matthew, he missed his moment. He never got his moment because he was too busy forecasting what could happen. And uh, he didn't seize the, the, the moment when it was there. And can I just prophesy over some of us this morning that some of you are gonna seize the moment and this time and this season is a time for you to go and accomplish great things. And you know, uh, this is a time to break barriers maybe that you've never broken before and to do things that you never thought you could do. So don't miss your moment. Uh, so now they're done with Chile. And they're, they're getting on the plane and they're flying to Miami. Uh, by now, everybody is starting to get a little bit tired. Um, and as, as they're going to the third marathon in North America, Miami, they get on a private plane and the runners started sleeping with their feet up on the chair in front of them so that all the blood is coming down uh, to the heart versus their feet. And so that's how everybody was sleeping. Uh, everybody had a foot in your face. That just became the new reality. And uh, you would have a foot in your face for the rest of the travel time. This man was sleeping backwards and upside down um, uh, to get the blood flow to his head. Now look at this picture. I, I'm sorry about this if, if it grosses anybody out, but Matthew's feet were getting so big, they started to look like a, I don't know, a water balloon filled up with water you know, a hobbit's foot or something. I mean, they're, they're pretty swollen. You can see that. And so they, they get off in Miami and everybody started kind of looking like zombies. Everybody's kind of just dead tired. And they were walking around in the airport all shrugged over, but then something happened. They get to Miami and started to feel alive. Well, at least the Americans, because they were home, they were in their country, right? The United States of America. And there's something about being in the home court that made them feel alive and gave them an advantage, right? Matthew's wife was there. His family was there. His trainer was there. A guy who had graduated from the Dream Center's rehab program and got out of prison um, in the last month alone, uh, you know, was, he was there. Uh, and just a side note, you know, when Pastor Matthew was, was sharing this message back in 2017, he said that in the last month alone, they had taken in 45 people from the prison system who were sentenced to 10 years of prison. So instead, the judges, you know, sent them to the Dream Center. So how about, how about that for, you know, reforming the system? I love that. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. And this guy, he showed up who was a man that was sentenced to the house of God versus 
the prison system. So let's never give up on the broken and the burdened uh, in this world, right? Because that's what we do as a church. We take a risk on risky people, amen? And we step out and we make a difference. But there's something about the, in, in, in the environment of joy and laughter and happiness and of being in your home church, you know, being with your family and friends. And so God birthed the church for a reason. And when they got to Florida, there was one man from the Czech Republic that um, had beat Matthew in every race by 20 minutes so far. And so every race, uh, he, he, he was just... Um, he was just flustered by this guy. He, he, he was, had his eye on him. And the, the pastor said, one race, I'd just like to beat that Czech Republic guy who said that, you know, we should run a day later in Antarctica. He was kind of mad about that too. Um, so I want to beat him just one time. And so in Miami, uh, that guy, he wasn't used to the heat like someone who was from California. And so as they were running, Matthew had his trainer running behind him and friends were all throwing water on him uh, to cool him off the whole time. And in America, they had a bigger group show up than any other people group to support. Americans were cheering on and encouraging and giving the U.S. runner all kinds of stuff on the sidelines. One person was giving away Slurpees from 7-Eleven, which apparently soda is good on runs. And, and he said somebody was handing out these salt pills or, you know, he didn't really know what they were, but he was just receiving them by faith. Amen. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. You know, and, and you know, I, I, if you don't know, it's not your fault, right? So I just, re, he just received it. Lord blesses me, use it, sanctify it. I don't know. Something like that. Don't judge, right? He, he thinks that there were salt tablets, but who knows? And people were throwing water and hugging him and loving him. And Pastor Barnett, he realized something. He got to the end in Miami and it was his fastest run for the whole trip. It was the first time um, out of the 33 runners that he was in the top 10. And he beat that runner that he was trying to beat from the Czech Republic. In Miami, uh, he made the top 10. And do you know why? Because number three, he had the support of friends and family along the way that they put that medal around his neck and he realized our churches ought to have the same home court advantage. That's what our churches should be. When people walk into the house of God, when they walk into our building, this ought to be a place where they feel like they can do anything. It's almost like an unfair advantage almost in life that they have on the rest of the world because they're coming into the house of God. And that's why we need this. Our job, meaning we, we is to help you perform at a level that is greater. And so when, when we do that, and that's what, our, that's what our home should be to our children, right? When, when our children come home from the busyness and the bullying of school and the pressures of social media, and, and you know, when they see the car coming to pick them up and they go home, and they, they see their parents are home and they take a deep breath and say, thank God I'm finally home where I can just be loved on and lifted up and encouraged. I have the home court advantage. Our lives and our families and our church ought to be a place of refuge that we allow people to perform at a level that is greater than themselves. When we are commissioned by God, our gatherings become home court advantages. They become a refuge. So they finished Miami and Pastor Matthew uh, got a stake right on the pier there. And they were off to number four, two hours later to Madrid, Spain. And they flew to Spain. And this is, the, this is only a 14 hour changeover from the last marathon that they were running. So what's happening now is as they land and they, they, they sleep on the planes, there's no hotels, they sleep on the planes and then they go to customs and they change in the bathrooms. 
they, they, then they go off running. And as you can might imagine, the, the, the runners are getting a little cranky at this point. You know, in the beginning, it was like teamwork. But now, you know, it's just kind of like, I don't even know who anybody is anymore. <laughs> and and th- th- this is them. They're changing in the bathroom. And uh, Pastor Matthew's uh, there in the middle and um, some ripped Canadian guy in the left. And the guy that we're talking about uh, earlier, the the, the, the world, the, oh, what was his name? Ryan Hall on the right. So that's them in the changing room. And, and so they go to Madrid and Matthew's thinking of all these faces from the dream center, people in rehab that had told him when he started this journey, pastor, I will not quit the one year rehab program at the dream center. If you don't quit the marathon, as long as you complete this, I promise you, I will complete the program. And he's thinking about the girls who are human trafficking victims that live in their building, the homeless families. There there are 35-year-old mothers. No one's ever taught them to read and write, and they're going to GED classes, and they're getting taught how to do that. And they said, I will get my GED, Pastor, if you promise that you'll finish. And so he's feeling motivated by that. And, And yet halfway through his run in Spain, he suffered a partial tear in his patellar tendon in his left knee. And then he said, you know, who cares about the people in the dream center? I'm out of here, you know, but it hurt. At least it was a fleeing thought. And, he, and, he, and he's, he slowed down to a walk and he just started to cry. And he said to himself, it's over. He, and he went over to the checkpoint and he told his team there, he tore something in his knee. He could feel it. There's something that's going on. The medic checked it. And he said, yeah, if you want to check out of this race, we understand this is a lot of pain. And he just cried and he broke down and he told him, well, I'm going to take this one little mile walk and then I'll come back and I'll get ready to leave. And it was over. The race, race was done. And as he's heading down, he's walking and he's just crying. He's having a breakdown and he's weeping out of control. And then something happens. He, he goes through this breakdown and coming out on the other end, there's this clarity that comes to his mind and then somehow he's able to get a breakthrough after his breakdown. And he goes through this breakdown and then he has a solution and an understanding of something. His breakthrough was this. Don't worry about the marathon. Just, just you know, the, 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 the big race that you're winning. Just, just finish this one. Finish number four. Just finish Spain. God's been playing that trick on some of us for years, right? Just give me one more day. And he said, okay, God, I'm going to run. This is going to be a sacrifice unto you. And he got to the finish line and he was in excruciating pain. He had, he had to learn how to lock his left leg and just kind of run with a, with a locked leg. And as he got to the finish line, that's what was happening. He's in excruciating pain. He, he, he locked his leg and he was running like that the rest of the way. He got to the finish line and as they put the metal around his neck, he thought to himself, number four, sometimes you've got to go through a breakdown to get your breakthrough. It's just letting yourself come down to a place and weep. Maybe even this morning for no other reason than just to say, God, here I am. I'm going through so much. And I haven't broken down in so long and I've had to be strong. I've, I've had to be courageous for the people around me. I've, I've, for my family. And you know, that's 
that's what leaders do. That's what parents do, right? Sometimes you put on joy when you don't feel like it and you, and, and you feel like you have to try to be something. And that's not being a hypocrite necessarily. It's being a leader sometimes. And so, but sometimes you just don't feel it and you, and you just kind of put on joy because you know somebody else needs it. But listen, there are times, even as a leader, that you've just got to come down and kind of let yourself go through a breakthrough so that you can get uh, breakdown so that you can get to your breakthrough. And at the end of that breakdown, God gave Pastor Matthew a solution. Lock your left leg and just Frankenstein limp it all the way to the finish line. When Spain was over, the runners went to this little place across the street and um, they were eating and just fellowshipping. And, and Matthew was, you know, kind of telling everybody goodbye. Uh, he said, you know, this is it, but, you know, boy, this was really great. I mean, you know, come on, finishing number four was a triumph in itself, right? And then as everybody's sort of clearing and heading out to the bus and uh, getting ready to take off, God began to speak to Pastor uh, Matthew one more time. And he said, just go to Morocco and see what will happen. Just go to Morocco. Yeah, really. The Lord, he says, started to press in hard. Go to Morocco and let's just see what will happen. And that was what God gave to him. And do you know what he thought? He, he thought that this was going to be like the Forrest Gump moment. Remember that scene where little Forrest, he just starts running and all the braces kind of fall off. Forrest was healed and he took off running. You know, he thought, I've been healed. He's, yeah, yeah. He thought, I've been healed. And he said, I've, I believe in healing with all of my heart. I've been healed so many times. It's unbelievable. It's like I should be dead. And so he's like, okay, let's go. God's going to heal me. And so he's going to go to Morocco and marathon number five. And he thought, I'm going to take off and I'm just going to run as if I'm healed and I'm not going to have any pain. That was his plan. So he got to the start line and he said, I've received my miracle. I received my healing and the gun went off and I started running and the pain was three times worse than it was in Spain. And he locked his left leg and he said, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Right? And there were all these soldiers in Morocco they were, uh, they were, who were protecting them because there were threats on the runners. Uh, they had guns and they were watching them. And they're, they're looking at the pastor like, this guy, what's wrong with him? And, and one guy's even shaking his head like, why are you even doing this? You're just making us work longer. I mean, he was running four-hour marathons up until this point. And if you don't finish in eight hours, you're eliminated. That's the rule. And so sometimes, some, some, but something happened again in Morocco. And as he's limping around that track, God began to speak to him and say, don't even think about how far you've got to go. See those lampposts that are around you? I want you to look at them and I want you to just have vision for that lamppost. Don't even think about the 26.2 miles that you've got to run. So these, there's these lampposts that are lining up. And he looked at the lamppost and he said to himself, this is what I do from now. And I'm going to walk one lamppost and I'm going to run two lampposts. I'm going to walk one uh, lamppost and then I'm going to run two. And that became his solution. He started uh, going around with this rhythm. The, the, the man behind him in this picture um, is Michael Ward. Michael Ward uh, is one of the greatest ultra runners in the history of America, one of the greatest of all time. Um, this is him uh, lapping Pastor Matthew for the sixth time. One lamp post off, two on, one off. 
And he realized that sometimes in life, like Paul said, I fought the good fight, right? I finished the course. I kept the faith. There's sometimes you can't even see where you want to be. It's so far away and you, you can get discouraged along the way. Matthew talks about uh, when he saw the hospital for the first time and they bought it for the Dream Center, 400,000 square feet. They opened up the first room and they were so excited. And Matthew talks about how people have called it an overnight success. Um, but that's just because they, don't, they only see one side of it, right? They see all the good things that are happening and what God's doing through it. But he says, I disagree. He says that there are so many others that have been far more successful than, they, than we ever were in the first few years of our ministry. Um, it has been one room at a time. Pipes have busted and they have emptied out the bank account to pay the last bill. And it's been an impossible journey. It's never been easy. It's been two lampposts run, one walk, sometimes stop. But you just gotta keep going and don't think about how far you've gotta go. Don't worry about where you wanna be. Don't worry where somebody else is in comparison. Just learn to love every step of the journey and appreciate everything that God has given you to do. Enjoy where you are on the way to where you are going. Matthew, he shares about a time when, when he was a young pastor, when he would always worry about church services going smoothly and all, you know, everything going perfect. And he'd sit there and if the music didn't go right, he'd lose the victory. You know, if something went wrong, he would just sit there stewing. And when he'd get up and preach, he would get so mad thinking about the staff meeting on Tuesday, rebuking somebody who didn't get something right, right? Or whatever. And his dad, Tommy Barnett, told him something so powerful. He said, son, you just relax until it's your time to preach. You just relax. Don't worry if everything goes wrong in your church service. If the attitude of the leader is right, you can always redeem it. You just have a good attitude. No one's going to remember the sound or anything like that. They're just going to remember the pastor had a winning spirit no matter what was going on. So for us, don't think about where you want to be. Don't think about how far you've got to go. Just learn to love the moment. One of the reasons why I'm in ministry is because I've been able to watch several uh, mentors in ministry just love every minute of their calling and, and love the little victories along the way and not get bogged down by the defeats. And sometimes on days when the crowd was down, um, Matthew's dad would turn around to him and sit down and Tommy Barnett, he told his son, if the crowd is down today, the good thing about ministry is we've got 52 weeks a year. And I've got the rest of my life that I've given to my God and my city. So at some point, the momentum is going to swing my way. And I'm just going to enjoy where I'm at on the way to where I'm going. And some of you here today, I want to tell you, you're not in a bad place. You're not behind. You're not losing ground. You're just clipping off coupons of faithfulness right now. And sometimes it's just the lamppost. It's not finishing marathons. And you'll get through the marathon at the end by loving the lamppost along the way. And when Matthew Barnett got to the end, he realized when they put that medal around his neck in Africa, don't even think about sometimes how far you've got to go. And do what Tommy Barnett says, enjoy where you are on the way to where you're going. He got to marathon number six, and we're almost done. Number six was in Dubai. Pastor Matthew says, I'm sure Dubai is a, is a wonderful, lovely, and beautiful place, but to me, it's like a personal hell. For him, it was the most excruciating, painful place that uh, with hot weather, and he, he had um, uh, energy gels on his face here in this picture, um, and doesn't even care. I mean, just look at that. He's, 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 he, you know, he's running this race, and he starts kind of I mean, losing his mind. 
Uh, he had put his shoes down at the beginning of this race and off to the side is getting, you know, kind of getting up his will to run and they were stolen in Dubai. And so no more shoes. It's, it's summer. He's kind of walk running barefoot in this warm place where it's kind of padded, but this very warm pavement and his feet are blistering. And he says, this is it. Dubai is really it. He, he told God, this is it. There's no way I can go beyond this one. And when he was running that race, Somebody on Twitter who lives in Dubai, who lived two weeks in London, two weeks um, in, this, in this city, heard about uh, the journey that pastor was on. And he, and he read in his bed this morning, he was having his time with God. He was reading the word of God that says, in love, serve one another in Galatians. And he was tormented by that scripture that morning because he hadn't been serving people that the way he should. And he was so bothered by it that he got up and he went to the track to find Pastor Barnett and encourage him along the way. Uh, this man showed up, this next picture, we have it. This man, uh, this is the guy that uh, showed up. Uh, he had just read the Twitter post, that's him, uh, during that, his Bible study. He says, where is Pastor Barnett? And they said, he's, he's just right down there. He's not very far. Just stroll down the sidewalk and you'll catch up with him. He's behind on his time. He's probably not gonna finish. And when this guy showed up, Matthew was 30 minutes behind his time for the first half split of getting it done in eight hours, okay? 30 minutes behind. And this guy came alongside Pastor Matt. He was a rugby player in South Africa. He said, hey, Pastor, I heard you're in a lot of pain. Matt said, yeah, I'm I'm thinking about quitting right now, actually. And uh, this guy said, well, before you quit, can you counsel me about men's ministry? (laughs) Like men's ministry, all, all Pastor Matthew is thinking about that. He asked him about all the men, all the Christian men in the world can go to the boogeyman right now for all he cared. You know why? That's what, that's what he was thinking. That's what he was feeling. And this guy was asking him about janitorial ministry um, in churches and random stuff like that. But what Pastor Matt discovered that this guy was doing was diverting his attention long enough to where Pastor Matt stopped thinking about the race and the pain. Um, and then there were some more angels. They were named Phil and, and Dana. And they showed up along the way. Phil went all the way to Dubai to meet with him on the journey. And Phil ran alongside Pastor uh, Barnett the best that he could. Um, He's slogging along. And uh, uh, Phil shows up and he's running with him. Um, And you see this right here. This is the actual video. You can see how, how Pastor Matt is kind of locking his leg there. And Phil's behind him. Go, Phil. Go Phil, go Phil. He's like walking and keeping pace with him. Go Phil. <laughs> oh, can you just see the, the pain? You feel it? Did you see him barefoot? He's, he's running with socks. And he's, so he's behind his time. They're saying he's not gonna finish. Phil's there and Phil's like, I got your back. And I'm going to run with you. And Pastor Matthew, he gets to the end of the day and he gets to the end of the track in Dubai where he finished in seven hours and 37 minutes. (laughs) They put the medal around his neck and he realized God will send you angels of mercy along the way if you just keep going. 
There will be times in your life and in your ministry um, where you've done all that you can do and God will just come down from heaven and he will send provision and he will send people and he will send miracles. He will send angels. He will send people and he will say, enough is enough. You've done you know, what you can do. Now I'm gonna send people along the way to encourage you and help you stay in it long enough. Don't quit. Keep fighting the good fight because if you do, God is gonna send provision and people and miracles and resources along the way just when you think you can't go any further. If I was Pastor Matthew, I would be praying for a pair of shoes, but I don't know. He's saying you can't quit. That's why when you're commissioned by God and God calls you to do something, it's still God's work, even though it's hard, it's still his plan. And there'll come a time where God will intervene and he will show himself strong and he will minister and he will bring angels in your life in ways that you don't even know possible. So he's got six medals in his possession and now he's getting a little bit more excited because the finish line is getting close. Uh, but there is a 16 hour flight to Australia while they'd be running their last marathon. And Pastor Matthew was on the plane and his heart was racing in the middle of the night. And he, get this, he had only slept 14 hours in the whole seven-day journey. And he woke up after his first good sleep, about two to three hours worth of rest, and his heart was just pounding out of his chest, so strong that he thought it was the blood clots that were coming back. And so he thought he was gonna die. His heart was beating so fast, it felt like it was pounding through the chest. He said it, was, it felt like thousands of pounds of pressure. And another runner came and sat next to him in the plane, and Matthew looked at the clock, and there was about eight hours left to fly to get over the water to and he said, I told the guy next to me, tell my family that I love them. I don't think I'm gonna make it. He really thought that he was gonna die. And, and, and he just breathed for several hours feeling like the next one was gonna be his last breath. So we got off the plane. You can come up, uh, Bob, and play. We get ready to prepare to close. He got off the plane and they rushed him right to the doctor. They sent him right to the hospital on Manly Beach in Australia. And he had a two hour head start of all the other people going through customs and he went right through, it was considered a medical emergency. And he showed up at the hospital and not one person was there except one doctor. And they took him in and asked him what he was doing in Australia. And he said, I'm running seven marathons, seven continents in seven days and I can't breathe. You know what the doctor said? He said, wonderful, well, let's get you back on the track. So all of this started with an American doctor who told him, you will never run a marathon. <laughs> and now he's looking for some validation to quit for someone to tell him that, you know, he can't run anymore. And this doctor's saying, you're good. You, you know, you need to get out there and finish that race. Come on. And, and so the doc did all these checks on this body. And because I guess Aussies are just tougher than Americans, he said, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. They hooked him up to an IV and they put a bunch of water in him and who knows else what else it was, but whatever it was, it worked. He had 12 hours left to finish because he had banked some time. So now he wasn't under that eight hour pressure. Within the 168 rule, he had 12 hours left. So the doctor diagnosed a stress-induced panic attack dealing with all the physical pain and torture that was going through his body. He said, your body manifests itself in a panic attack that woke you up and gave you this labored breathing. And he was there on the plane feeling like he was gonna die. And now 18 hours later, he's back on the track. And a few more hours after that, he finished his last marathon in Sydney on Manly Beach. He completed all seven marathons in a world marathon challenge and they put that medal around his neck and he realized number seven, God can resurrect you from the lowest of the lows and bring you to the highest of the highs. 
and you're here today. And you might be feeling like you're going through the lowest of the lows, but in a moment, in a sudden moment, God can do amazing things in your life. Uh, You just gotta understand that God can take you from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs. And then at the end of the race, they gave him a bunch of medals that he didn't even know existed. The guy said, congratulations, this is the one's for completing the, the World Marathon Challenge. And they bring another one out. He says, you're now a member of the International Continental Marathon Runners. And they put another one on his neck. And he said, you're also a Southern Continents Marathon Runner. And he was looking kind of like Flavor Flav by the time this was all over. And what Pastor Matthew realized at the end is just when you think that it's all over, God can do something so extraordinary in your life that you realize it's only just the beginning. So we're in a moment where I can preach this and we're in a movement where I can preach this with full faith because we are commissioned by God. And sometimes you feel like you are in the lowest of lows and it's in those moments that God can and will resurrect you to the highest of the highs. And you've come to this gathering this morning and maybe uh, at a low point. And it could it be that you just might be in the best place that you've ever been. And God is setting you up for a breakthrough because God doesn't destroy people at rock bottom. And what he does is he recreates people at rock bottom. And he's about to do the same for some of us this morning. Could you stand with me as we close and pray? Father God, we just thank you for your word to us this morning. Uh, We have so much to be thankful for. You are a good God. We love you so much. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength, the endurance, the courage to fight, the fight, to run the race, to finish the course and hold on to our faith. In your mighty name we pray, amen.